0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. How's everybody doing today? Good? Everybody good? Awesome. Hey, uh, first of all, I just want to say we appreciate you all so very much again for coming out. And uh, I want to take a moment uh, to just, we all know what happened in Las Vegas Um, a few days ago and what transpired and Pastor Don uh, texted me he said hey don't forget to pray uh, for everything that happened in Las Vegas and I was so thankful that he did remind me of that listen as a church um, we're in the world not of the world if you've ever heard that saying before, maybe you never have. What that means is that uh, we live here in this world and we experience what's going on here in this world. And and really we're here to help people walk through those experiences and lead them to Jesus. Um, But we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And what that means is we have a hope that's bigger than what's going on in this world. And so we are the light of the world. We are the local church and it's our job to help provide hope to people in these times. And so I just encourage you, you know, you're gonna hear a lot of talk at school, at work, wherever you may be, uh, waiting around for kids at, you know, baseball practices and things like that. But I encourage you to be the person that talks about the hope that we have in Jesus. Be the person that points people to hope. Uh, Don't participate in the negativity. Acknowledge the pain and help people walk through that, but help them have hope as well. So could we take a moment together and could we pray uh, for those people that are affected by this tragedy? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you and God We understand that our hearts are broken and many people's hearts are broken by what's happened in Las Vegas. God, we understand that you don't cause bad things to happen. Uh, We know that's not your character. Your word says that you are a father to us. And so we understand that as a good and a perfect father, you would never do those kinds of things. And Father, we don't understand why people do what they do. All we know is we live in a broken, imperfect, fallen world full of broken people. What we do know is that that's why we're here as a church, to be the light of the world and the hope of the world through Jesus Christ, through sharing his message. So Father, what we pray over those people who are affected by this tragedy, maybe they've had family or uh, friends, loved ones who were affected by this. Uh, maybe they're currently in the hospital fighting for life or recovering for wounds. God, we, we speak in the name of Jesus, the hope that's in Christ Jesus over them. God, we speak that there is no other name more powerful than the name of Jesus. God, we speak that their bodies will recover. We speak that their emotions will recover. God, we speak that these people won't deal with lasting emotional uh, and mental effects from these kinds of things. We know there will be a process and a pain, but God, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is the comforter. God, we speak your life over this situation. We speak your life over this nation. God, we understand you don't cause bad things, but God, I pray that as a nation, we would be a people who say, I'm going to seek God's face. I'm going to ask God what he thinks about this. I'm going to have God walk me through this. God, your word says in Isaiah 26, three, that you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is fixed on you because he trusts in you. God, our ultimate prayer for everybody today is that you would keep them in perfect peace as they fix their eyes on you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Thank you all for taking a moment to pray over those people. Listen, that is truly what we are called to be is the hope of this world and the light of the world in um, sharing the message of Jesus. And so thank you again so very much. Well, hey, we are in part three of our series, no, part four, sorry, of our series on the Holy Spirit on Wednesday nights. And I'm really excited to talk about this topic um, uh, Last week we had a missionary from Mexico, Ron Wallachy with us. And so today we are continuing, jumping back into that series. We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Now it's kind of funny when we plan this out because we plan it all out to where Pastor Don ended up teaching on the gifts of the Spirit on Sunday, and then we're teaching about it again on Wednesday. But if you have ever had the chance to speak in front of people, you know that oftentimes you have a lot more to say than you have time for, right? And so today you can kind of consider this, me tag-teaming with Pastor Don, uh, and each of us getting to say in the amount of time what we can say to kind of create one complete teaching on this. And so We're going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, There are going to be some sections of this where I am not going to spend as much time. The only reason I'm going to do that is really because Pastor Don covered it already on Sunday. So if you'd like to know some more about certain aspects, certainly check out Pastor Don's message. It was a fantastic message on um, kind of the purpose of spiritual gifts and even how to discover them. So let's pray and then let's get into this. Father, we thank You for this day. Thank You for Your goodness and Your faithfulness. God, we thank you that you love us and you love us so much that you gave us gifts and the gifts aren't just for us, they're for the purpose of helping people. We wanna help people be connected to the life, love and power of Jesus. That's our mission as a church. And so God, we wanna learn about all that we can do to fulfill our purpose personally, individually and as a church, as a local church body to reach people for Jesus and to glorify you. So God, as I teach, help it not to be my thoughts, my words, but help it to be your thoughts. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. So um, people, some of you have heard about spiritual gifts. Some of you haven't heard about spiritual gifts. Uh, Some of us maybe grew up in church our whole lives hearing about spiritual gifts, but not quite understanding what was being taught. And that's so common. uh, You know, just to be honest with you, Bless you. Uh, Just to be honest with you, when I was studying this, uh, I really kind of learned some amazing things and I realized, wow, I hadn't studied the gifts of the Spirit as much as I should have at all before. I'd probably had to study it at one time for a class or something like that, but I really haven't spent enough time thinking about them, praying about them, learning about them. And so it was really, really cool. So let me define, I'm going to use the definition that Pastor Don used on Sunday, a spiritual gift. It says a spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives to each of His children so that together they can advance His purposes in this world. Let me read that again. A spiritual gift, is a special supernatural ability that God gives to each of His children so that together they can advance His purposes in this world. Now, when I said that, some of you, if you never heard of this before, you're like, this is getting weird. What are you talking about? Supernatural ability. We're not talking about like flying. You're not Superman or anything like that. But we're, we're going to list what they are. We're going to talk about what they are. Um, but it's really not a weird thing. And, and some people have talked about these things as though they were kind of weird. But they're in the scripture and God gave them to us for a reason. And the reason is really to glorify Him and to serve people. The, the reason and the purpose of a spiritual gift is to glorify God first and foremost. But we do that by serving people. The purpose of a spiritual gift is not even to make us look good or really even to make us feel good. That's kind of a feeling good when you use your spiritual gift is a side effect. Looking good when you use your spiritual gift is not the goal at all. The goal is to glorify God and serve people. So we're gonna define what these gifts are in just a moment. But first I wanna talk about misconceptions about it. And Pastor Don did a great job with this, but I wanna talk about these misconceptions and just share some of my thoughts on them. The first misconception that you hear a lot of times is that these gifts stopped once the early church was established. People will tell you that, well, they needed it to start the early church, but once that was established, the gifts kind of ceased, uh, they were done with. Pastor Don talked about that on Sunday. People call it cessation theology. Um, And here's kind of the catch there. If things were bad then, aren't things bad now too? And don't you think that we still need the gospel? And not only just do we need the gospel, but we need the spiritual gifts to empower us to bring the gospel to the world. Pastor Don said on Sunday, it was a great thought. He said, you know what? The whole world hasn't heard about Jesus yet. I don't know if you realize that, but the whole world really truly hasn't heard about Jesus. In fact, we support 10 missionaries who are reaching unreached people groups in Northern India. People who have never heard the name of Jesus, they told a story about in one of these villages, they walked in and and, um, I don't think it was one of our missionaries, but it was in India. They walked into a village and they said, hey, have you ever heard of Jesus? And the village elders at at the front of the village said, no, he doesn't live in this village. They had zero idea the name of Jesus. So if this is still going on, then the gifts of spirit, the gifts of the spirit then really are still in operation today. Spiritual gifts are what God will use to bring about the end time harvest. That's a weird word if you never heard what that means. Really what that means is as we draw nearer to Jesus coming back, which we do believe as a church, then we believe that more and more people are gonna get saved or give their lives to Jesus in greater measure and greater volumes than ever before. And if we needed that when the volume wasn't as great as it is today of people giving their lives to Jesus, we need it even more so now. And the last thing is that some people uh, take 1 Corinthians 13 and they believe based on 1 Corinthians 13, you may have heard this before, they believe that the spiritual gifts are going, have already ceased based on some things that they see in that scripture. And it talks about basically when we know in full, now we know in part, then we'll know in full and the spiritual gifts will cease and all of these things. If you read that scripture, the context, I believe, he's talking about heaven because he's talking about knowing things completely. I don't know about you, but I don't know anything completely. I'm not that smart. I don't know everything about God. There are so many more depths to explore and to learn about his wisdom and his purpose and his plan. I'm not going to know that until I reach heaven. And so really what Paul is referring to is once I get to heaven, I'm not going to need these spiritual gifts anymore in the same way that I need them on earth. So that's misconception number one is that they stopped once the early church was established. Misconception number two is that they're only for some people. Some people think, well, wow, the gifts of the Spirit are, are for some really special Christians, but they're not for me. If you look at it in 1 Corinthians 14:1, Paul says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So God is speaking through Paul, telling us that we should desire these gifts. So why would He speak that to Paul? and then not want to give it to you. So if you look in Psalm 37, four, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That if the gifts of the spirit are a desire of your heart and God says that says that he will give you the desires of your heart, it would be cruel of God to ask us to desire something that he didn't intend to give us. God wouldn't ask you to desire something that he didn't intend to give you. If that is the case, then he wouldn't have put that verse in the New Testament. And he certainly wouldn't have put Psalm 37 in the Old Testament. And the third misconception, really briefly, is that, the, that these gifts are only for ministers. And that is a really interesting misconception. And you can almost see how people would draw that conclusion, but it's simply not accurate. And I want to explain a term for you. Uh, there's a difference between spiritual gifts and the five-fold ministry gifts. And that's just kind of a weird five-fold. You fold it five times, I don't know. Um, But that's just an an interesting way of talking about a different list of gifts that we see that Paul wrote about in the Bible. I'm gonna read it for you really quick. In Ephesians four, verses 11 through 13, it says, "'Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. So you see five different basically positions or offices that Christ appoints, that God appoints. God appoints these people to serve in this capacity in the local church. This is a ministry gift and it's separate from the spiritual gifts. And here's how you know that. It says their responsibility, people that fall in these five categories, is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul actually teaches the people at this church in Corinth that the purpose of a spiritual gift is to build up the body of Christ. So then he's talking about these ministry gifts and he says these guys and and ladies that God appoints, their purpose is to equip the believers to basically use their spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ. God calls people to walk in a ministry gift for the purpose of empowering and equipping his people to use their spiritual gifts to build the church. God gives everyone spiritual gifts, but he doesn't call everyone to walk in a ministry gift. Now here's what's so important about this. This is a great thing because it helps us understand that a ministry gift is not more important than you and having a spiritual gift. Does that make sense? Because some people would tend to believe that somebody who's called to be a pastor, or somebody who's called to be an evangelist is more important than somebody who serves in the local church and just uh, maybe serves in kids' ministry, operates in a spiritual gift of some sort. That's not the case. In fact, if you read it correctly in the scripture, people like me who are called to be pastors, my entire job is to equip you to use your spiritual gift to reach people for Jesus and to build a local church. My job isn't to build the local church, it's to help you build the local church. Your gift is every bit as important as my gift. It's interesting to me when people say things like, man, I wish I had your gift to sing. Can I just encourage you? Don't don't do that. Because your gift might be something that I wish that I had. I've said this before. You may not know what it's like to stand on the stage and be awesome at leading people in worship, but then you get off the stage and you can't remember when your meetings are and you can't remember where you put your keys because you may have the gift of administration and I may not. Our gifts look different, but they're equally as important. I always say there's a reason I don't work in accounting because the numbers would be a mess. There's a reason I do what I do. God has different people for different purposes. You know, the thing that's really interesting is the Bible actually likens spiritual gifts and spiritual giftings to the different parts of your body. Could you imagine if your hand, and this is exactly basically what the Bible says, if your hand decided to try to do what your foot's supposed to do. Could you imagine if you thought that you could see through your hand? Obviously, there's no eye in your hand, but sometimes what we do is we try to use a spiritual gift that God gave us and we try to say, no, I don't want that spiritual gift. I want a different kind of spiritual gifts and we try to fit into a different box. Does that make sense? So you may say, I wish I was in the choir, but really I'm, I have the gift of hospitality and just making f- people feel welcome, but I'm gonna try to be in the choir. Listen, if the choir's not your place, that's not gonna work out. And you may even sound good, but you won't be fulfilled and you won't reach your potential and your calling and your destiny. There are plenty of senior pastors who are fantastic worship leaders, but they're not called to lead worship right now. They're called to be senior pastors. So we have to figure out what God has wired us to do and we have to do that. We are many parts of one body and together we accomplish God's will and purpose here on the earth. So the question then is what are the spiritual gifts? So there's three major lists in the New Testament and they're found in 1 Corinthians 12 verses 8 through 10. Romans 12:6 through8 and First Peter 4:11. Now I'm not going to take the time to read all of these, but I encourage you to take the time to do that. But please know that these lists aren't exhaustive. There are other spiritual gifts, and you can see them even in the Old Testament. Um, when God was having them construct the tabernacle, I believe, He was asking for a skilled craftsmen who were full, full of the spirit of the Lord. And so that is even a spiritual gift, craftsmanship musicianship can be part of your spiritual gifting. So what I want to do today is I kind of want to tackle some of the list that's found in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10. And I want to talk about what these things actually mean. Because I think it's really easy when we read the Bible to just kind of read it and not really think exactly about what it means. Or you do, but you just kind of stop there and you're like, that's confusing. I don't know what they're talking about. They knew what they were talking about in the original languages a little bit better because they were not translating it like they're translating it for us. Our translations are great, but you know that translations sometimes lose a little bit of the meaning. And then also they knew the context in which they were speaking it. So today I just want to take a few minutes and I, I want to talk about these gifts. And, um, is everybody tracking with me today? Everybody good? Cool. I don't want to lose you. I had to go quick through all that stuff. But I just want to take a couple of minutes and I just want to talk about this today. So definitions of spiritual gifts. Here's the first one that you'll see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Words of wisdom. And this can be kind of confusing because it's words of wisdom and then it's words of knowledge. And that can be a little bit, it it can kind of confuse people a little bit. So here's the definition of words of wisdom. Insight and revelation into the divine purposes and plans of God. Insight and wisdom for life situations. So if you have the gift of words of wisdom, you may have an understanding of, you know what, I think God's will is this. Now I'm not just talking about in your personal life. I believe every believer has the ability to know and discern that for their personal life. But there may be something specific, a specific area. Um, I would say that sometimes Pastor Don operates in the gift of uh, words of wisdom when, when he seeks God about the vision for this church because he understands that it's not his church. And so what he's asking is God, tell me your purpose and your plan, your divine purpose and plan for this church so that I can communicate it to these people. I would consider that a word of wisdom. It can also be just wisdom uh, for living, things that you need for life. But again, it may even be something about someone else Uh, or about maybe an organization or things like that. Uh, We'll get into that in a little more detail in a bit, but it could just be a word of wisdom for somebody else. Hey, you know what? I think this is what the Lord is calling you to. Uh, I will say one thing about that. If anybody ever tells you that God is calling you to do something, it better be something that you sense God calling you to do as well. Don't take someone's word for it. There are plenty of people, uh, well-meaning people, who may see a, like a gift on you, maybe not exactly perceive it correctly. Hey, you're really good at this, so I think you should do this. Do you know if you become a pastor, but God called you to become a doctor, you missed it. It's not just if you didn't go into one of the five ministry gifts. If God called you to own a car lot and you decided to become a traveling evangelist, you missed it because God could have used you in that area. So if it, if it doesn't ring true with what God's speaking to you, I would say, put a big pause button on it. And if God speaks it to you, that's great. If not, I will leave it. The second thing is words of knowledge. This is supernatural knowledge or revelation about something that's happening or has happened. Um, a great way to explain this would be, um, you know, maybe you, maybe you're driving and you're praying and maybe your kid is at school or something like that. And you just get a, something, quickens in your spirit and you say, something's going on with my kid right now. Now, some ladies would say, well, that's just my mom instincts. (laughs) Sometimes it probably is, but sometimes it's a word of knowledge about what's happening. Um, Sometimes it may be that God gives you a word of knowledge about why your teenager is acting the way they're acting. When you pray to him and you just say, God, I don't know what's happening. If you could just give me wisdom about this. And God lets you know about, hey, you know what? There's something going on behind the scenes and this is, what I, this is what it is. This is how you need to deal with it. That would be considered a word of knowledge. Maybe just what's happening in someone's life. What has happened in someone's life. I know people who can walk up to people if the Lord puts it on their heart. You never want to try this on your own. And they can say, you know at Four years old, your dad left you. Uh, There's a great story. A friend of mine is actually, I'm related to him. (laughs) Uh, He, uh, that's how you know you have a big family. He said um, he was eating at this Mexican restaurant in California, eating a burrito. And this guy walks up, just looked like a rough, hard guy, grabs his burrito from him. This guy's like 6'2". Grabs his burrito from him and just starts eating it right in front of his face. And he was like, he was so mad. He's not from a good side of town. And uh, he was, he's a big dude. And he was like, you gotta be kidding me, you know? And uh, he was about to just lose it. And the Lord spoke to him and just gave him everything about this guy's life. And he said, I just began to tell him, this happened to you, this happened to you. And he said, the man just began to weep, probably with his burrito in his hand. That's a word of knowledge. The purpose of that is not just to do something cool. It's not a party trick. It is for the purpose of ministering to someone It can be for the purpose of protection. You know something's going on, you need to pray. One time we were on our way uh, on a mission trip and uh, our trailer flipped. Uh, It didn't flip our van over, which is incredible, but we were in between two curves and uh, it was pitch black, two lane road, semis and buses coming through. So we started like clicking flashlights to direct semis around our van so we could pick, everything flew out of our trailer. We had to pick it up and all this stuff, tip our trailer over. At the same time in New Braunfels, there was a family uh, and they knew we were on the trip. They'd helped us with it. They were at dinner and the wife said, we need to pray for that trip right now. That's a word of knowledge. God gave them a word of knowledge. They didn't know exactly what was happening. They said, we need to pray right now. And so that's just, that's what word of knowledge is for protection. And it can be as a, as a form of ministering to people as well. Um, knowing how to connect with them where they're at, knowing what they need. The third thing is the gift of faith. Now this is different from just regular faith and this can be kind of confusing, but everybody has a measure of faith. If you've received Christ, you had the faith to believe in Christ and, and, and to receive your salvation. That's a big deal. That's not just, oh, I had a little bit of faith. That's, man, this is, an, this is the biggest miracle of all time, you receiving your salvation. But the gift of faith is a little bit different. Special faith to receive miracles. It's kind of just that person that they pray big, bold prayers and things just happen. Now, everybody has the capacity to do that and you should operate in that in your personal life. But in some senses, in some instances, there are people that that's their specific gifting. Does that make sense? They're just called to pray for big, huge things and watch God do his thing. There are some people that that's what they do. Number four is the gift of healing everybody again is called to walk in divine healing as a believer. Why? 1 Peter 2, 24 says that by Jesus's wounds, you were healed. It does not say you will be healed. It says you were healed. Jesus said that we would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. He didn't say people who have one of the five ministry gifts will lay hands on the sick. He said that believers would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. And so everybody's called to walk in that, but there are some people that operate in that ministry all the time. There are some people that that's just what they do. They, they pray for people and people get healed. They could be in the grocery store at, at HEB in the frozen burrito aisle and somebody has a knee brace and they pray for them and they take that knee brace off and their knee's fine. Some people walk in that all the time. Fifth thing is the working of miracles. Sometimes God uses a person to alter natural circumstances through his supernatural power. In the Bible, um, in the book of Joshua, Joshua uh, prayed Uh, basically he cried out to God in the middle of a battle and God literally caused the sun to stand still in the sky. The sun did not set in its intended course until they had finished the battle they were fighting. That may sound ridiculous to you and crazy, but I believe it. Uh, I believe the word of God. And so what's really cool about that is in that instance, that was a miracle. God altering the natural course of what was happening. Um, Now, some of these flow and work together. We'll talk about that in a minute. So when you pray over somebody who's sick and they're healed, that's a miracle in that moment. But there are some people who operate that specifically. Number six is prophecy. Prophecy is oftentimes a little bit different than what we think of it as. We often think of it as foretelling the future. And sometimes that can be part of it. But actually, if you look uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14— Really, the definition is more of giving an inspired word of edification, exhortation and comfort to a person or group of people. In some cases, it involves speaking about the future. So really it's about giving an inspired word of edification, exhortation, comfort. You can see that clearly, those three words in the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So what does that mean? God inspires you to encourage somebody. And that could just be as simple as, man, I don't know what it is that you're dreaming for, but I just want you to know that God sees your dreams, he hears your prayers, and he knows where you're, if God gives you something like that, that's probably a word of prophecy for someone. So for me personally, that would be something that I operate in more so. I don't operate in things like words of wisdom where I can just say, God's will is to do this, blah, blah, blah. I'm more of the guy that walks up to somebody and says, I don't know what you're going through, but God just wants you to know that he loves you. That's a word of prophecy. Sometimes it can include things about the future, but the thing you have to be careful for there is you don't want to get that wrong. Does that make sense? Be very careful about saying God said if you're not sure if God said or if you thought. It's a lot different to walk up to somebody and say, I don't know what you're going through, but I just want you to know that God loves you. That's like, okay, cool, thanks, you know, versus I don't know what you're going through, but I know in two years you're going to be married, have a dog and three kids, you know, that's a whole nother ball game. And so really there's some, that's something to watch out for. And you really have to know that you know that you know that God's calling you to say that. Number seven, I'm going quick through these is discerning of spirits. A lot of people say I'm so discerning, but really they're judgmental. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about like, oh, look at her. That's totally different. Discerning of spirits means it's the ability to perceive the supernatural spirit or the, or, or the spiritual motive behind something. It doesn't mean you get to determine and judge people's intent. It means that if they're being influenced by a spirit, that you can discern that. And again, that may sound like, what in the world are you talking about? You know that there are plenty of cases where people are being influenced by a supernatural power and it comes out as just though they're angry or something like that. And we have the ability to discern those things. The gift of tongues. This is speaking forth the wisdom of God or God's plans and purposes through an unknown language. Everyone is called to speak in tongues, but the gift of tongues is a little bit different. You're speaking God's plans and purposes. And then it goes with this, number nine, interpretation of tongues. The ability to interpret a word of wisdom given in an unknown language. I know that's a lot. I kind of just hit you with all of that. Let me explain this. Oftentimes people are going to operate in multiple of these gifts at one time. So you may come up to someone and you may say, like the guy that I knew, he may have said to that man, here's what happened in your life when the guy took his burrito. Here's what happened in your life. Um, You know, God's just telling me that this took place and this took place. So that would be a word of knowledge, right? And then he may have said, but I want you to know, and God wants you to know that he loves you, he's proud of you, and he cares for you. He moved into prophecy. So sometimes these things flow in connection with one another. But I think the biggest thing that I want to stress is that these things are meant to work in your life. And we're kind of running out of time, so I may not be able to finish this. Um, If you go on the Live Notes app and you accidentally put in the wrong answer, It'll say reveal answer. If you want to get all the answers, just do that. I do it sometimes. Um, but so I just told myself. Um, here's what I want you to know. These gifts are for you. And I know I just gave you a ton of information, but I think this is important information. Paul told these people at this church, earnestly desire these gifts. He says it two times. He says, desire the most helpful gifts. And then in chapter 14, that's chapter 12, chapter 14, He says to earnestly desire these gifts. He didn't say if you're a pastor, evangelist, teacher, somebody like that, desire these gifts. He said, if you're a believer, basically, you need to desire these gifts. Why? Because you can't effectively reach the world around you for Jesus without them. I'm convinced of that. And there are ways in which they operate and work. You could see some of that right here. What's the point of them? Spiritual gifts only work properly if they're used in love and unity. If you claim that you're spiritually mature because you operate in a spiritual gift, but you actually don't really love people and you're not really kind to people, then it's not a very good indicator of your spiritual maturity. In fact, the way you love people and treat people is a better indicator of your spiritual maturity than the way that you operate in a spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts should be used in order and in decency. The Spirit of God will never, ever, ever lead you to number one, um, contradict the word of God. He'll never contradict God's word. And number two, he'll never lead you to dishonor a leader. He'll never lead you to um, be disruptive in a way that draws attention to yourself and not to him. He does things in order. He's a God of order. In fact, it says God is not the author of confusion. And the last thing is you got to use them in the context and the covering of the local church. How many of you know, somebody who has a great gift, but they didn't have an authority figure or somebody to help channel and guide, and their gift just kind of went to waste. We see it all the time, NFL players, NBA players, musicians. People have a gift, but there's nobody that's walking with them to help them learn how to use their gift, right? And so what we see with people with spiritual gifts sometimes is we get so excited about our spiritual gift, but we forget to walk in accountability. We forget to have somebody train us. We forget to have somebody in our lives who can help us and say, no, that, that wasn't it. You kind of missed it. When you do that, when you ask people to be like that in your life, what happens is your spiritual gift flourishes, yeah, but your spiritual maturity flourishes. Your soul prospers. You become a healthier person. And then you're not just operating in a gift, but you're not a healthy person. You're operating in a gift out of a healthy place. That's the importance of using your gift in the context of the local church, is having someone to walk alongside you and help train you and grow you, not just in your gift, but in your personal life. You know, you may be someone who knows your spiritual gifts. You may be somebody who's really in tune with your spiritual gifts. Question for you, what would happen if tomorrow you woke up and every spiritual gift you had was gone? The question is, what would your walk with Christ look like? Would there be anything left if the gift was taken away? Here's a question. If the area of serving in the local church that you're good at was gone tomorrow, hey, actually, we're going to put someone else in that spot. Not saying that would happen. What would happen to your walk with Christ? Would you still stay connected to Him and to the local church? And that's a really good indicator of whether we're too far on the gift side or if we're also walking in spiritual maturity and growing ourselves. So, The ways that we find our gifts, number one, ask God to reveal it to you. That's really simple. That sounds like a cop-out, but it's not. If I, I went to a guitar expo the other day, my friend and I, Jeremy that plays guitar in here, went to this guitar expo and there was a guy that built custom guitars. So we started asking him about the guitars. He was like, yeah, this wood came from this place and blah, blah, blah. If I want to know something about the instrument, I ask the maker. If you wanna know something about your makeup, you ask your maker. The second thing is look at what you're passionate about. What do you like to do? Are you the person that's always rushing to help other people? Then that's an indicator of your spiritual gift. Look at what the Holy Spirit speaks to you about, what He asks you to do and what what, uh, what He tells you. So for me, one of those things is the Holy Spirit will speak to me about a random person that's working at a grocery store. And it'll just be as simple as you just need to let them know that God loves them. Maybe ask them if you can pray for them. That's just how God talks to me. And he may talk to you in a different way. It may be totally different. It could be that God tells you to pay for someone's meal behind you in a line. That's the gift of giving, the gift of generosity. Whatever that is, look for that. And then number four, ask other spiritually mature believers what they see in you. Again, if it doesn't resonate with what you feel the spirit of the Lord is telling you, then they might be a little off and don't fault them for that. They're not you. So they're seeing what they're seeing. But you may ask them, hey, what do you see in me? Do you see something that I don't see? It's a good question to ask. And then number five, I'm going to make a shameless plug here go to Growth Track. Uh, if you go to Growth Track, one thing that is really great about that is we take a spiritual gifts like little survey test. And it kind of walks you through figuring out what your spiritual gifts are. But I know there's a lot of information. I know I just, blasted you with that. If you have any questions, you can always feel free to come talk to one of us after service. But I just wanted to give you a big, long rundown of all of that. Because honestly, some of these things are things I I wish people would have said specifically to me as I was learning about my spiritual gifts. And as I'm still growing and learning in those things. Last thing I want to say is that God gives people specific spiritual gifts that they operate in. But I believe that God desires for every one of us to desire whatever spiritual gift is needed at the moment. Does that make sense? So you may operate in a spiritual gift, uh, but sometimes God's going to give you a different one because it's needed in the moment. And God can supply that. In fact, that's why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, to desire the most helpful gifts. There are some things I don't operate in, but like once or twice I'll operate in them. It's important that we desire that kind of stuff. Why? To glorify God, to reach people for Jesus, and to build the local church. When you do that, you're gonna discover your destiny, your calling, your purpose, and you're gonna find greater fulfillment than you would find just even attending week by week. Because you're gonna realize, I'm doing what God created me to do. And not just within the four walls of this church, but when I go to my workplace, I'm still that same person. I'm using my spiritual gifts to reach out to the world around me, to connect people to the life, love, and power of Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.